Welcome to this week's podcast from Suncoast Church. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Anyways, uh, my name's Jono. If I haven't met you yet, I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and it's, uh, it's amazing to have you here with us tonight as we continue our series, What is So Amazing About Grace? I grew up with this word all around my life. I was a church kid growing up, and so, you know, we sang a whole lot of songs tonight about grace. I grew up singing songs about grace, um, people teaching and preaching about it. In my home, the word was thrown around. So I, I generally felt growing up, you know, I had kind of my head screwed on. I, I knew what grace was. At least I could kind of quote to you what, you know, the is written in scripture about it or what, you know, the, the Greek or the Hebrew definition is. And so if someone asked me, you know, you, what's grace? I'd kind of ramble off a few words. It was about 18 years of age where I had a guy in my life who's a Greek guy who's a few years older than me and real passionate dude. And it said one day something that kind of ticked me off. He goes, Jono, you actually don't even know what grace is. And I was like, it's a bit of a flex, bro. Yes, I do. I know what grace is. And I know you, you genuinely don't know what grace is. And I was like, Dude, I 100% know what grace is. Like, and I started listing it off, right? I was like, and Mark mentioned it earlier. It's the unmerited favor of God. It's the you know, unconditional acceptance and love of God. I started saying all the things that, you know, if you've been around church for a while, you would say, and they're not incorrect. And so I gave all the terms and he still went, yeah, you don't know what it is. So I walked around a little frustrated at this guy going, you don't know me, man. Stop trying to project your ideas on me. So I walked around really ticked off. But the, the, what I learned was he was actually true. And it was only a few years later, where I encountered more of Jono than I was proud to admit was there. And I encountered some parts of me that were not the best parts of me, where I had struggle and where I had severe problems. And I came face to face with my deep need for grace. And no terminology, no uh, definition would suffice. I needed to experience grace. And here's the point of grace. It can't just be taught or explained or even sung about. Grace must be experienced. It's something that someone just can't tell you about as much as we can. It is something that has to be personal that you and I can wrestle with. So today, tonight, what I want to do is by the end of tonight, you and I to learn what are we supposed to do when we do encounter grace. And when we do experience grace, what are we supposed to do with that? Did you know that grace is everywhere? It's everywhere. I read a book early this year called Everybody Always from author Bob Goff, and he had an amazing statement about it. He says, grace is like the sunrise. It's there for us every day, whether we choose to enjoy it or not. I don't know what time you wake up in the morning, so probably a lot of you don't get to experience that. In fact, some of you probably go to bed when the sun is rising morning. God bless you if that's you. But this really rattled me reading this because I'm like, he's true. Like, it is everywhere. And do I take time to appreciate it? Do I let it do anything for me? And again, learning, this isn't just a head knowledge thing. This is something that we must learn to experience. If you think about it, our language is even completely peppered with the idea of grace. And it's made its way into kind of our English conversation here. I mean, think of just a few terms here that we probably all say in our day-to-day life. You've probably heard terms like this. Um, you know, that person is really gracious with their words or actions. Or if you see someone dance, probably not at the club, more like a ballet recital, you'd say, you know, they dance graciously. I don't know, maybe they do dance graciously at clubs. I'm not sure. Um, If you've ever bought something or hired something from a company, they'll often have grace periods, right, to see if you can check something out, see if you like it. Um, Maybe even a negative sense, you've heard this term, uh, they're no longer in my good graces. Or one of my favourites, they've fallen from grace. Or maybe this one, 
What a disgrace. You know, that's what I say to the Broncos every single Friday night. Thanks, guys. So another big year to test my faith in the Broncos. Um, or maybe said sayings like this, you know, there's no saving grace about them. Or my personal favourite, my personal favourite, when someone walks into a room and will say something like, oh, isn't it nice that you have graced us with your presence? Okay, so this, this word has made its way into our lives. It often is a beautiful way of explaining the difference between light and dark, good and bad, and everything in between. But it's, again, something that we can hear all the time and we might feel like we've got our grasp on it, but it's got to be experienced. There's a super famous story back from the early 20th century. A bunch of Christian thinkers and philosophers in Britain got together in a conference, out of all things, to discuss what sets Christianity apart from all other religions. And so they were kind of breaking it down. You know, there's a lot of similarities. You know, pretty much all the major religions they discuss, you know, kind of have a book or some kind of literature to guide people. Um, They often all have, you know, kind of sacred facilities or sites like, you know, you know, temples or mosques or shrines or synagogues, churches. Um, they often have like moral codes, you know, that you've got to abide by and rules to be right with God. So there's all these similarities that all these religions have, but like, is there something that sets Christianity apart from the rest? Or are they just kind of one heaped them with many? And if you're someone who is exploring Christianity or, or, or new to faith and not yet there, you're probably thinking, yeah, aren't all religions just basically the same? And so this is what they're wrestling with. And then the famed philosophica, philosophica, I'm never going to get back to that word now. Uh, An author, C.S. Lewis, he walked in this room in his classic pomp, overconfident way, as he would often to lectures. He walks in, taking off his hat and his jacket, going, oh, what's this discussion then? And before he even had time to take off his hat and coat, as the story goes, they said, oh, we're just discussing, is there anything that is unique to Christianity apart from all other belief systems and faith? And he goes, oh, that's easy. It's grace. Hat back on, coat back on, and he walked back out. He summed up the Christian message and the Christian belief in one word. And I don't think he was too far off. Grace. Grace. Where we often look at what birthed the event that started this whole belief system, the life, death and resurrection of Jesus and everything that, uh, that encompasses. And obviously we're, we're only a few weeks out from Easter now where we celebrate, as we do every week in many cases, this amazing event, but yet summed up in one word. Again, something that is difficult to define, but funnily enough, grace is easy to identify when you see it. If you think about it, grace can often be like an intruder, something from another world, something that's not earthly or human-like. It often sounds like another language and it, it often doesn't seem to follow any of our rules. And what's funny is this is exactly how Jesus would teach and explain what He referred to as the kingdom of heaven. And when teaching about grace, Jesus never gave a simple handle or simple explanation about it. Indeed, He would use stories or parables to kind of cast a net out there to grab our imagination, to grab our hearts, to really grapple with this idea. Nothing that can just hit our heads, but something that you and I can learn to experience. And so in classic Jesus style, we're going to look at tonight a parable He taught as recorded in our first gospel, the gospel of Matthew. Matthew was one of Jesus' first disciples who followed Jesus and He recorded a whole lot of what Jesus did and taught. And so it's pretty awesome that 2,000 years later, we have these accounts of what Jesus taught. And so in Jesus' 
And Jesus doing it in the most creative, brilliant way that He would communicate, rattles off a parable or a story about explaining what the kingdom of heaven is like and how grace fits in it. So here's how Matthew starts. In the first verse of chapter 20, Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. Okay, so you're tracking right now. This isn't complicated. Someone who owns a vineyard needs people. It's harvest time to work in his vineyard. I need to hire some workers. So he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day, and he sent them into his vineyard to work. Now, just for context, a denarius is the equivalent to a day's wage. So there's nothing, this introduction is not weird. People aren't sitting here at this point going, wow, Jesus, this is really deep stuff. They're like, we're with you, Jesus. Employer, owns a vineyard, harvest time, needs to employees. He said, can you work with me for a day and I'll pay you a day's wage. Now, the reason we get this and the reason this opening isn't too complicated is because we get the idea of being remitted for work you've done, right? You go to work and you, you do the work. You expect to get paid. This isn't a complicated idea. We exchange payment for our efforts. So we go to work to get an income, to get a wage. Then there's other environments we go, we know what to expect when we get there. For example, you'll go to school and university, obviously, to get a, yes, a date. I mean, an education. Correct. Um, we go to the courts. Right, why do we go to the courts? We go to the courts to get justice, right? So we understand all the different environments we'll go to to get what we expect. But my question is, where do we go to find grace? And in a world that is desperate and hungry for it, and certainly in our lives, we need it. Where do we go to find it? Because we certainly can't turn to our governments or to the courts to find grace because they don't deal in grace. They deal in laws and they deal in justice. Now, we're not mad about that. We're grateful, particularly in a nation like ours, to have institutions like that. But we certainly don't turn to them to find this idea of grace. We Definitely can't turn to mainstream culture to find grace. Culture does not deal in grace. Our culture deals in merit. You have to earn favour. You have to earn credibility. You've got to hustle. You've got to work. You've got to kick goals. You've got to make your way. You've got to fit in. So we go to find all of that. We certainly don't turn to our mainstream culture to find grace. And as we heard in that story from over 100 years ago, we certainly can't go to any other religious belief system to find grace grace because they just don't offer that. They deal in merit, they deal in effort, they deal in climbing spiritual ladders, but none of them other than the Jesus way deals in grace. And so as Jesus followers and as the church, the church has been charged with being God's vehicle and key vessel for ushering in what Jesus referred to as the kingdom of God on the earth, which is why and if you're part of Suncoast, if this is your home church, we talk about this as often as we can. And in fact, on Tuesday night that Ash mentioned earlier, our United Night, we talk about this stuff in depth. We share about our culture, our values, our future. And you know, if you're new to Suncoast, you haven't joined a team yet and you're curious about what makes us tick, this is a great night to come along with. Because one of the things we say often here is we exist to be a church that, number one, loves like Jesus, and number two, to be a church that the unchurched love. And I am so adamant that if Jesus was sold out on this idea of grace, that as his followers, we should be too. And my prayer is that we would always be a community and a church 
whether here or our community in Canberra, that leans into the grace way. Listen, I'm telling you, I am just super proud of all those here that give and volunteer to help, for example, with our youth ministry on Friday nights, with Why High. We have nearly 300 kids who come on a Friday night from all walks of life, all schools across the Sunshine Coast with varied backgrounds. Now, I understand if you're out of school now, I understand you never caused anyone a headache when you were growing up. You were a perfect teenager. You never gave your teachers headaches. Your parents thought you were an absolute wonder child. I understand that. But kids these days are just a bit different, right? So a little bit of encouragement. And I'm telling you, it is amazing. We often get emails and we get people criticising and we hear it all the time in media and our, our culture, just giving the next generation such a bad rap and saying how horrible they are and how disrespectful they are. But here's the thing. I want to celebrate those of you who refuse to join the chorus of the critics and have decided to follow the grace way and believe in the next generation and decide to invest in the next generation because without extending the same grace that you and I I have been afforded, really the next generation never has a chance. And so rather than joining with everyone that just smears the next generation with their have no hope and then the next generation have no chance and our future is horrible, I disagree. I think as long as there is a message of the grace of Jesus Christ involved, there is every chance for life to be turned around and to make something great of their future, right? So yeah. I want to appreciate you for being a part of a church that fights for that. I'm telling you, if you have ever encountered the opposite of grace, it has an ugly, ugly face. And may no one ever encounter that face when they ever watch us online or walk into any of our environments. So again, where do we go to find grace? I pray that people who need it in their life would always go, listen, I might not believe everything they believe at that church. I might not think everything they think. I don't even understand everything they're talking about. But man, I love the way they treat people. I love that church. I'm grateful they're here. And if people are looking for grace, I pray that the first place that they would ever turn would be here. Now, as he goes on, Jesus is like setting it up. I need some workers, right? And so he goes and finds a bunch of workers. He's like, I want to pay you a day's wage. Let's work. Three hours into the day, it ticks to 9 a.m. Yes, some people do start work at 6 a.m. He's like, there's heaps more work to do. There's a heap more idle hands in the marketplace. So as the story goes, I'm just paraphrasing here. Jesus, don't go to that one yet. Don't go to that one yet. Go back, go back. Jesus goes, I need some more workers. So at 9 a.m., he goes in, finds some more workers, brings them in. A few hours tick over. There's still more work to be done. And he's like, there's still more people who aren't working. I'll go find more workers. So at 12 o'clock, he grabs more. Again, does it at three o'clock. All right, so he's done it at six, nine, 12, at three. And then at 5 p.m., with one hour of sunlight left, he's still like, there's more work to be done. I need some people who can hustle for an hour. So he goes again to the marketplace, finds more workers and goes, can you guys just work for me for an hour? And they're like, we're in. This is where we pick up the story. These guys have been working, some from six, some from nine, some from 12, some from three, some from five. And here's how the story Continues. So that when evening came, sun had set. The owner of the vineyard, the boss, came and said to his foreman, Listen, call the workers, pay them for their wages, beginning with the last one. So those who started at 5 p.m. and only worked an hour, and then going to the first, those who've been working since 6 a.m. Next slide. So the workers who were hired at about five in the afternoon came, and each, notice this, received a denarius. Now, do you remember how much a denarius was worth? A day's wage. And so Jesus is setting up attention here, if you haven't followed yet. Now, if you're an employee here, if you manage staff, you're there going, hang on a second, the math of this does not line up right now. Something dodgy is taking place. Like, does Jesus not know his arithmetic? 
Because the guys who only worked an hour, they're seemingly getting paid for a full day's wage. The tension being created here. And the tension isn't created because of the effort of any of the workers. The tension's being created because of the owner's pay scale. Something's off. Right? So they're thinking at this point that Jesus' audience, you're probably sitting here going, yeah, what point is Jesus trying to get at here? I know what's happening. I know what's happening. But he's setting up a principle of grace here because here's the thing. Grace, it does not depend on what you and I have done for God. Grace always depends on what God has done for us. And so if you maybe think of yourself as someone who's like the one hour worker, like, listen, I don't deserve as much as these guys that have been hustling hard for forever. You know, they've been going to church forever or they've been working hard forever. Like, I'm just a latecomer. I'm a newbie to this. I'm just happy to like have the crumbs or the leftovers. But yet here in this story, Jesus saying, no, 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 no. Even if you're late to the party, you're still getting full day's wage. And this is what grace can often come across as like, it doesn't seem earthly. It offends our normal human sense of justice and rationality. If you're into economics here, or you're an accountant and you're going, Jesus clearly didn't study what I studied right now. Does He know what He's talking about? But this is grace, right? Grace is like from another world, which is what Jesus is teaching. This is the kingdom of God. It does not depend on what we do for God, but rather what God has done for us. And this presents a huge problem. Because then we have nothing to compare grace with. Grace with. We can't compare it with anything then to adequately understand it because there's no formula for it. There's no arithmetic behind it. There's no pattern to it. There's no rhythm to it. In other words, grace can't be boxed in, codified, measured, or marked. It breaks all human rules of engagement and morality and standards and ethic. Grace completely overrides all the rules that we tend to make. And I often find in in a way to kind of slightly get our heads around this, the tension of forgiveness often provides a lens for all of us to understand our need for grace and a framework to understand it. So I want to wrestle with this idea of forgiveness for the next little moment. If you've ever needed it, and heaven knows I need it more times than I'm proud to admit. If you've ever needed forgiveness, you'd understand that it's kind of got two edges to it, right? There's a... Like a, when you get it and you don't deserve it, it's like, man, this is like the most amazing thing. And you're grateful that someone has offered you forgiveness. But on the same token, it's a bit awkward. When someone freely extends you forgiveness, it's like, can I pay you back? How does this work? Like, and someone's like, no, no, debt cancelled. I forgive you. It's like, it's kind of not natural. And even more so if you're the one who has to extend forgiveness Whenever you've had to do that, right, particularly to someone that does not deserve forgiveness, there's just a part of us that's always a little bit hesitant because forgiveness certainly does not come natural to us. It kind of goes against our natural instinct. Again, it's, it's otherworldly. And the reason for this, isn't this true, that our natural instinct is for justice? It's for justice. And we'd prefer to give things like forgiveness to those who deserve it. But this is what's remarkable about God and His grace, is that the things that you and I usually reserve for the deserving, God reserves and gives generously to the undeserving. And this this isn't always easy to wrap our heads around. Wherever you sit on, I guess, the faith, if I can call it this, the faith spectrum, because if you're someone who's been following Jesus a long time and God bless you and you pour your life into this and you hustle hard and 
And, you know, if we, sometimes that we can have this overinflated importance of how much we bring to the table. And so when we see someone, you know, like these workers getting a full day's wage for one hour's work, we're like, how did they, I've been hustling, I deserve. Like, they deserve something, but not like I deserve it. But God seems to give generously to those who don't deserve it. And when we think in terms of forgiveness, to stick with that idea, is the very taste of it sometimes seems just wrong. Even when it's been us who has committed the wrong, don't we often want to earn our way back into the injured party's good graces? Like we want to earn forgiveness, right? We want to deserve it. We'd prefer to crawl on our knees, to wallow, to do penance, to kill a lamb. And often there'd be religion that obliges us, but not so with grace. So as Jesus sets up this tension about these wages, these, these workers getting the same wage, here comes the response from the workers. Goes on. So when those who came who were hired first, so the guys who were hired from 6 a.m., they expected, and let's be honest, I can relate, you can probably relate, they expected to receive more. So they're going, okay, we see what's happened here. He promises denarius, but those guys got one. We're probably going to get like 10 denarius. So they're, they're coming. Here we go, pay out. This is good. But each of them also received the denarius. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landover. Who can relate right now? Who'd be like, I'd be grumbling too. I certainly would be. You guys are way better than me. Okay, you guys understand grace. This message is just for me. So they're going, they're grumbling. And then those who were hired, they said, this is what they said back to the landowner. Those who were hired last, they worked only one hour. Listen, this makes sense to me. This makes sense to my sensibilities. This makes sense to my economics. This makes sense in arithmetic and mathematics. Man, this makes sense in any language, okay? They only worked an hour, they said. And you have noticed this. It says, you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. Listen, I can understand the grumbling of these workers because this idea that Jesus is presenting, this offends so much in me, it offends my sense of justice. It certainly offends my sense of fairness and my sense of merit of earning. Not because, not because that what the one hour workers received was unfair, but rather what the others received seems unfair. It's like, sorry, let me flip that around. The guys who worked a day, they got what was fair. They agreed to working a day for a denarius. But it just seems unfair that these guys who didn't hustle like me Get the same. That just doesn't seem fair. But here's the point that grace tells us is grace doesn't deal in fair or God doesn't deal in fair. God deals in grace. Now, again, that still doesn't make sense. But this is grace. There's no arithmetic. There's no science to it. There's nothing like it else on the planet. And we can protest. We can protest at not receiving what we feel we deserve but at the same time, we can protest the people who certainly don't deserve anything. Yet this seems to be the whole point of grace that Jesus is getting across. It does not fit into our earthly arithmetic. You can't measure it, contain it. We can't write a formula for it. We can't even totally understand it. But we can experience it. And so in reply to their comments, this is what the landowner says back. He answered one of them and said, listen, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. He says, didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. And he uses this term, I think, intentionally, unfair. And why? Because he understands what you and I are thinking. We 
as a collective human race, we demand payment. Like, we've worked. I want what's due to me. I demand to be remitted and paid. And again, when we're talking in terms of faith and your Christianity, it's like, man, I've been like hustling and working. I demand to get what is owed me. We demand payment. We demand justice. We demand recompense. We demand an apology. We demand payback. But God delivers grace. And this is good news if you've ever felt like you don't deserve any payment. (laughs) And if you're the one who's like, I've barely worked an hour for this whole God stuff. The good news is God delivers grace. He doesn't give according to our effort or our merit or what we've worked towards. He generously gives us grace. And this is how Jesus concludes this parable. Then goes on to say, well, this is how the Jesus is explaining what, and if you haven't picked it up, the landowner is God in this story. Okay. Ah, this is what the landowner is saying. So in other words, Jesus is saying this is what God is like. He says, I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Can I just pause there? I love this about God. God has a want. He wants you. God wants to give you more than you deserve. Do you realize that? This is Jesus, God in the flesh, explaining what God is like. If somebody knows, he does. And he's like, you realize God has wants and he wants, he wants to give you more than you deserve. Again, this might offend your sense of rationality and what constitutes deserving. God doesn't mind offending that part of you. He wants to give you more than you deserve. And if you've ever deemed yourself unworthy or unable or undeserving, then you're in good company. Because when God looks at everyone, He doesn't dish up different measures of grace. He gives to everyone the same. He wants you and He wants to give to you. He says, don't I have the right to do what I want to do with my own money, and notice this last sentence, or are you envious because I am generous? Essentially, the workers weren't angry because the owner was stingy. And let me just say for a moment, sometimes we can be angry at God because we have the wrong idea of what God is like. And can we think God can be aloof or God is controlling or God is angry? And I get that. There's often been some very unhelpful teaching about this. And in our culture, there's often this imagery of what God is like, that He's angry. You owe Him. You've got to work for His approval. And no wonder sometimes we can be conflicted about what God is like. But we don't get this idea of God from what Jesus Himself teaches here. And so these workers, they weren't angry because in this story, the owner or God was stingy. They were angry because He was generous. They couldn't handle the fact that he would freely give to some that he gave to the others. To others, and what Jesus was getting across here is this is how God works. It's grace. He refuses to follow the rules of this world. He follows by the rules of another kingdom. So I want to ask you tonight. Jesus addressed these guys, or this story addresses those who were envious because the owner was generous. 
How do you respond to generosity? In hearing this idea tonight about God's grace, and as we expand over the next few weeks in this series, it's an expression of God's generosity towards people. How do you respond to generosity? Let's be honest for a moment. When someone's being generous towards you, it can be a little awkward at times, right? You ever rocked up to a party and, you know, they've said, like, you know, we're just going to do small gifts. And you're like, yes, I'm doing that, a small gift. And so what do you buy when they tell you to buy something small or nothing at all? What do you buy? Favorites, exactly. Gold star, box of favorites for you. Um, so you rock up and then, like, and then someone else gives you, like you're exchanging presents at like a Christmas party, right? And you bring the favorites. And then they, their interpretation of something small, they buy like a new watch or something. You're like, ah, this is awkward. I've got the other present at the back. I'll be back just for a second, right? <laughs> when you encounter generosity, it can actually be a little bit, it can be a little bit awkward. It's like, whoa, I don't know if I deserve this. This is a bit, this is a bit much for me. I encountered generosity in a remarkable way when I was studying at university and I worked for a job during that time at EB Games. Yes, and for the old school crew here, formerly known as Electronics Boutique. Yes, gamers, to which I was not one. But I did pretend to the mums who came in shopping for their kids. So, sorry mums. Anyways, I always gave them a good deal. So, so I worked there, I had a boss and he was an amazing guy. Um, he, was a he was a great manager. And so, listen, I rocked up to work and I worked hard enough. And, you know, <laughs> I did my hours, I did my shift, I rocked up, you know, on time. Um, and, you know, there were rules of conduct at the shop, so you followed the rules best I could. And then at the end of the week, you know, I'd get my remit for what I worked. I understood it. The rules were clear. And so there was my boss. I rock up every day. G'day, boss. And, you know, you gave him the respect that bosses deserve. <laughs> I don't know why I'm looking at Mark. <laughs> um, I should look over here, right? Oh, wait, no, it's Chloe. Um, Chloe. Well, anyway, these are just employees on the front row. If you're wondering who's he looking at, you guys are awesome. But so I'm like, how do I, I'll just, I'll salute him. Sometimes if I'm feeling super posh, I would walk in and go, morning boss, how you doing? Good weekend. You know, it'd be like the handshake. I guess people still, I don't know if we do that. Are we still allowed to do that? Getting me government officials here. I don't know. Anyways, back in those days, BC, before Corona, used that joke before. It's not fresh here anymore. Anyways, so I understood the rules. The, you know, the, the boundaries between boss and employee, vineyard owner, worker, the, the rules were clear. The rules were clear. And then one day, one day, something ridiculous happened. He, uh, he goes to me, Jonah, you play guitar, hey? And I'm like, yeah, I play guitar. And he goes, do you have an acoustic? And I'm like, actually, no, I don't. Would you like one? Well, yeah, like, if you paid me more, I'd buy one, you know? Like, <laughs> but, like you pay me, you know. Uh, and he goes, well, I want to give you mine. I was like, hang on. Now back up a little bit. His guitar was worth over $5,000. If you're not a guitarist here, I'm just letting you know, that'd be expensive. Okay. <laughs> think, think R.M. Williams in the boot game, but more. Are okay, you with me? Okay, enough pop culture talk. So what happened was he was traveling with his guitar and on a plane and baggage handlers manhandled it threw it roughly, and he could see it doing it out the window. He's like, no, and it cracked along the top of his guitar, but it was insured. So his insurance payout was massive, and he was able to buy a, uh, a brand new upgraded 
acoustic guitar worth something like seven, eight thousand dollars. But they let him keep his guitar that was damaged. So he's like, I wonder how, how easy it'd be to fix it. So he took it into a guy, 200 bucks to fix it. So he's like stoked. So now he's got two banging guitars. And then he goes to me this day, he's like, well, Brent, I don't, I don't even need, I can only play one at a time. So he's like, I'd love to give you my guitar. What do you do when someone offers you that kind of thing, right? They're ridiculously generous. But what happened in that moment is the, the like lines, the clear lines of boss employee were shattered then. Because I was like, I understood where I stood with you and I up until that point. Employer, boss, you know, I'm the staff member. I do my shift. I do my work. I salute. I'll shake hands. But now, like, <laughs> what do you do when someone is that generous with you? Just here. I'm like, what's the catch? He's like, no catch. Is there a loophole here? No loophole. It's yours. I was like, how do I respond to this? Do I like, do you go in for the high five? Thanks, man. Or like, thanks. I went, nah, I'm going all in. And I went, thank you, man. And we braced, and we hugged. And this is what it's like. This is what you and I have to do when it comes to the generous grace of God. Embrace grace. Embrace it. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to have it figured out. You don't have to understand the arithmetic or the science behind it. You just got to embrace it. And I often wonder if sometimes we feel awkward when dealing with this idea of grace because it maybe offends your sensibilities or your sense of justice or fairness. But yeah, there it is. Like I said at the beginning, just like the sunrise, it's there for you whether we choose to enjoy it or not. And your heavenly Father is so generous and He offers His grace freely. Maybe we don't understand it, but we can certainly embrace grace. So I want to challenge you tonight and ask you to consider in the areas of your life where maybe you feel, we can throw that slide up. Thanks, guys. If maybe you felt like you've been anything but deserving or earning, or maybe for you, the idea of faith and belief in God, you've got so many questions about it and trying to figure it all out. Never let this stop you from embracing the free gift that God has for you, His grace. It might be a language you don't understand. The behaviour surrounding it might seem odd, especially when we deem ourselves unworthy. But there it is. You know, my boss's generosity, I don't know how to say it any other way, it changed me. It changed my approach to my work. It changed my approach to my relationship with Him. Now again, there were no catches. It wasn't like, all right, now Johnny, that you've got this guitar, I'm expecting you to do overtime. I'm expecting you to rock up early. You know, I'm expecting this. I want you to do my laundry as well. I want you to work. It wasn't. Do you know why? Because He gave it to me condition-free. But it's amazing how someone's generosity can change the relationship between the two of you. And so I wanted now to please my boss, not because I wanted to earn his generosity, but because I'd already embraced his generosity right? 
I wanted to represent His values. I wanted to represent Him well in His organisation and to His customers. And I find it's often the same with God's grace. When we embrace it, what happens is it changes us. And therefore our response to God isn't this, I'm trying to work for His approval. I'm trying to work for God's love. You've already got it. It's free. God has already been generous to you. No loopholes, no catch, no conditions. And when we embrace the grace of God, it changes us. And therefore everything I do for God isn't from a place of working for grace. It's working from the grace that I've already been given freely from my heavenly Father. Right, and so listen, I want you to lose the sense of having to work hard and hustle to try and be in God's good books. You're already in His good books. He's already for you. He's already given everything that you and I could ever need. This is why we sing songs every Sunday when we gather. This is why in our connect groups, we break bread and drink drink to celebrate what Jesus has done for us. This is why our lives act generously towards other people because now it's all a response to what has already happened to us from God. And you know the amazing thing? The amazing thing it does is when you encounter and you embrace God's grace, it overflows in the most remarkable way. You then start to want to show grace. To others. And you can't help it because your life has just been embraced by grace. And you can't help but treat others the same way that you've been treated by your Heavenly Father. He is for you. He loves you. And so next time, next time you confront your need for grace. Remember we said this at the start, what are we gonna do when we confront our need for it? Next time you confront your need for grace, don't try to do the math. Don't try to do the arithmetic. Don't feel you have to sing your way into God's good books or give your way or serve your way or attend your way. You don't. Just embrace His grace. God, thank You. I just choose to believe and trust You that Your grace is sufficient for my life. And I'm gonna rock up and I'm gonna serve and I'm gonna help and I'm gonna sing and I'm gonna be and I'm gonna live from a place of accepting the fact that Your grace is for me. Let me pray for you tonight. Heavenly Father, it is an amazing thing that we can't get our heads around. So tonight we just wanna say thank You. We embrace Your grace. We trust You that You said it's free and that it's for us. So tonight, particularly for those who feel that they just don't understand this and that it goes over their head sometimes, I pray that this would be real for them, that tonight they would experience Your grace. And those who perhaps have rendered themselves unworthy and undeserving, may tonight, by the power of Your Holy Spirit, receive Your grace. And for all of us, help us to live this out every day. Help us to let grace change the way we love one another and serve one another and serve our neighbours. May we be stewards of the grace of God in powerful ways to everyone we meet. We can just keep our heads bowed for one more moment and we do that here to I guess create a moment of I guess personal a personal moment you know the whole service has kind of been all public but this is a chance maybe for each of you individually to consider I guess where you stand personally with Jesus 
I'm going to ask in a moment for us all to pray a prayer together of accepting Jesus into our lives. Maybe you've never done that. And if you haven't, this is a moment for you to do that for the very first time. Choosing to trust your life to your heavenly Father. Maybe you've deemed yourself unworthy of God or maybe you've thought there's been too much pain in your past or too much regret in your past. His grace is more than enough for you. And so just before I ask us all to pray this together out loud, if tonight you want to make your own personal decision to make this prayer personal and to put your trust in Jesus, just as a way of kind of acknowledging it before God and just so I can see who I'm praying for, could you give me a quick wave if that's you tonight? Give me a quick wave. I'll see your hand and you can put it straight back down. Tonight you want to make your personal decision to trust Jesus with your life to invite Him into your world and to receive His grace. Look across here tonight. Five people made this decision for the first time this morning. It was super cool. I wonder if there's anyone else here tonight that could be included in this prayer. Maybe for you, you need to recommit your life to God tonight and trust that He is enough for you again and put your hope and your future in your Heavenly Father's hands. Anyone else tonight that look across? I don't want to miss anyone here as we pray. Super cool. Let's pray this prayer out loud together. And for those of you that are like, man, this is for me, like this is my prayer. I want you to pray this as if you're the only person in the room. We pray out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for grace. Tonight I choose to trust Jesus with my future. I'm sorry for my mistakes and my past. Tonight I choose to follow you. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are truly blessed by what you heard. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au.